Foley, come on up. Dave. Dave is bringing the word. Yeah. Love this guy. I've known this guy for a few years, and he uh, he's truly a servant, humble guy. Uh, helps lead the finance team here at Communitas, and that is made up of Dave and Meredith. We're, or Marilyn, I'm sorry. Not, yeah, we just got done saying that. And Stephanie, right? Do you guys only have three or is it four? Are you guys going to share a little bit tonight too? A little bit. Cool. So Dave's going to challenge us and just bless us. God, I thank you for this man. <clears throat> thank you for all that he pours out to this ministry. God, even his family, I thank you for his relationship with you. And I just pray that you'd speak to our hearts tonight. Amen. Amen. Well, how are you guys all doing back there? Can you hear me? Yeah. Closer to the mic. Scream, yell louder. So I kind of want to give an, an update on um, typically where our finances go on, on a given month, just to kind of give you a summary more or less. And so on an average month, we take in about $1,500, and I wanted to thank you guys for your generosity. And kind of where that goes on a, on a given month is about $500 um, is used to cover the food, which I think, how many of you have eaten a food here? Raise your hand. <laughs> but I wanted to thank all the people who've, um, you know, basically gone out and bought the food and done all that work. So let's give them a round of applause. And then the, the remainder we give about 300 a month to uh, Lutheran Renewal, um, which I think a number of you guys already know, but that's who um, Paul works with. And they're also uh, putting together the Holy Spirit Conference. And then we also give $300 a month to uh, John Tolo's ministry of Koinonia. And kind of the, the remainder of that, which is about $400, um, we kind of give to um, missions, people who are going out you know, to Japan or just around the country. And also when we, we give an honorarium to people who come in and speak, more or less. So that's kind of like a rough summary of, of where you know, our, our money kind of uh, more or less goes. And so... I know kind of each and every one of you here has a different, you know, dream and calling, you know, in, in your heart where, you know, we have a hundred people here. I bet we have a hundred different interests, you know, a hundred different places we, we want to go where God is calling us to, to be more or less. And I wanted to share, you know, something that God has put in, in my heart. And, you know, you guys can pray about and glean, you know, whatever you can from that and, and see how, you know, you'd be able to apply it to, to your lives more or less. And so something that God has, you know, put into my heart is, you know, he's, he's put a father's heart into me. And, you know, deep inside me, there'd be no greater joy than to have my children serving the Lord, you know, with, with all their heart. And, and so, you know, what can I do as a father, you know, kind of in, in regards to finances is, is kind of gearing where my, my talk um, is more or less going. And so I'd say there, there's two key principles that I hope you guys take away from this. But the, the first one, I think, you know, Clint might have mentioned this earlier tonight, but, you know, the, the material things, money, possessions that we have are not our own. They are God's. They're, they're a free gift that he gives to us. And, you know, at least we need to constantly be reminded that, you know, that is the case. And because who knows, he might ask you to say, okay, I want you to give your car to someone or taking people into your house or couches. You know, there's, there's a whole variety of things that, you know, he can do. But, you know, kind of since everything we have is a gift from him, you know, what do we do with it then? 
So we, we are supposed to be stewards um, with the things that he has given to us. And, you know, what does a, a wise steward look like? And, you know, what kind of practical things can we do to be a, a wise steward? And, you know, you can look at the, the parable of the talents um, where, where God gives each, each of us different things. And, you know, at the end of it, it, it kind of, you know, sheds light to me at least, you know, what he's trying to get at that. And one of them, I think, is we're supposed to give glory to God. I mean, all of you can probably relate, you know, through our whole lives, we're supposed to give, you know, God glory in everything we do. You know, when we rise up, when we go to bed, you know, when we're, we're driving our car, talking with people, it, it, it's all to give, you know, glory to him. But also at the end of that, it talks about sharing his joy in there. That there's something I think, you know, God has in when we share in that, you know, to give glory to him, that there's joy, you know, that um, comes through that. And so... Those are kind of the, the two key principles I, I more or less wanted to um, touch on so that you can kind of take away. But, you know, I'm going to tangle myself up in this cord. Uh, but anyways, I think another thing that I, I've realized in, you know, going through my life is that trust in the Lord is a, is a very important thing. Where we are supposed to really trust God with all our hearts. You know, what does it look like to say, okay, God, I'll trust you in this situation. Is it really in your head? You know, are you truly going to believe that with kind of everything in your being to be able to trust the Lord in, in any given situation? And, you know, I, I think of, you know, trust, you know, just isn't like you're having a big crisis or moments like, okay, I'm going to trust the God in this situation. I think it, it's almost like a daily thing as well. That, you know, God values the things you do on a day to day basis. And so, you know, I think back to when the, the Israelites were going through the, the desert for 40 years that God provided daily manna for them, that there was a certain provision that the Lord provided, you know, on a, on a daily um, basis for them. And, and so, uh, Paul, you want to come up and get ready to share where you are? And, and so, you know, Paul is going to kind of come up and share uh, a story that he had, um, more or less, where, you know, he was kind of put in a situation where he had to trust the Lord in, in what he was saying. So here you go, Paul. Yeah, so um, it, many of you probably know I'm pretty meticulous. Adrian and I, we have a pretty fixed income. I'm pretty savvy with Excel spreadsheets. So I, it's true. It's true if you need like some summation or something, I'll help you out. Um, but I get, so I'm pretty meticulous with our budget. Uh, we break it out by week. I could account for almost every penny that we spend on any given week. Um, so that's kind of my approach to put the story in context. So one Sunday we'd come home from church and we were pretty tired and we were just taking a nap. It was just a random Sunday. And after the nap I was started to wake up. But as I was starting to wake up, I saw this purple rose starting to just fall to the ground and sink its way into the soil where it died. And then after that happened, the vision switched, and I saw this huge horizon of these exact purple roses expanding out, kind of like you would look out to see the ocean, and you don't really know where it ends until it hits the sunset and this horizon, the horizon, fairly like serene picture. So that's what I saw, and I was totally unaware of what was going on. So I just asked the Lord, I was like, all right, Lord, what does that mean? And... Um, he just brought uh, the verse into mind from John 12 about the kernel of wheat, where he just said, um, you know, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life 
in this world will keep it for eternal life. And truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So the Lord brought that into my mind, and so I felt the Lord calling me to die to something. So I just asked Him, I was like, all right, Lord, what do you want me to die to? And the answers were like this. It didn't really take the Lord long to respond, but He did ask me to ask Him. He wasn't just going to supernaturally like paint the picture for me. So he said finances. So I didn't really like that answer, um, knowing kind of how you know that I am. And so I said, all right, well, what does that mean? How do I die to you in finances? He said, give me your savings account. So I was like, okay. So that was it. That was the end of the conversation. And I was awake now in the middle of Sunday afternoon. And so I woke Adriana up and I told her what happened. And so we decided as a couple we were going to continue quit sewing into our into our savings account from that day forward. We were just going to keep a threshold of X amount of dollars. Once we hit that threshold, any extra we get, we're sewing or we're paying towards our loans or whatever we decide we're going to do with that. Um, but we'll no longer sew and in, increase our savings account. So that was our commitment. We decided that day, this was back in like February. Well, the next morning, I woke up and I got the mail and it was federal tax return day. And I knew exactly the amount we were getting. I had memorized it. I had put it in our budget. I had planned to save it. And I had figured out what we were going to do with it. Um, and I was $500 more than I expected. So I was totally startled and un- unexpected of it. So I called my tax guy and I said, hey, Jim. Um, his name's Jim, actually. I said, you... Uh, made a mistake on our tax return. You said we were getting this, but we got $500 more. He goes, nope, I was wrong. That's right. You've qualified for some random stimulus. Cash it. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to get like asked to pay this back. He goes, I can't guarantee that, but you're supposed to cash it. I was like, all right. So we cash it and we sewed it. So Dave will kind of take that story and tie it into his message, but that's the story. Amen. And I also wanted to, to mention if, if any of you have stories in regards to where God has talked to you about your finances and can share stories, you can let any of us know. Let Paul know, write an email, and we'd love to hear about, um, you know, how God has, you know, touched you, uh, you know, kind of in, in regards to that. And, and so I, I think at least the, the way my talk is, is more or less, uh, along the lines of is, I'm very similar to Paul. We're very methodical, the way I'm organized, and you know, you just take a, a logical approach to things. And I, I, I liked Paul's story because it, it it reminds me of how often I, I realize that you know God may take me to go a different direction than I may want to go. And I, I believe that we always have to be willing to go to that place because He is God, and we have to you know to be able to fully trust Him. And so I think of the, the verse along the lines of in Matthew where it says, um, you know, do not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will take care of itself. There's, there's enough to worry about today. And so I think, you know, how easy is it to, you know, start worrying about, well, what am, how am I going to get food for tomorrow? How am I going to do this or, or that? And, you know, in the, in the true essence is, is trusting the Lord and his goodness to be able to provide. Um, but kind of on a side spin from that is I do believe we're supposed to plan or prepare for the future, which that that is a good thing. I, I believe that's 
exercising wisdom and being wise stewards with what God has given us. But I think, you know, there might be times we would have a plan, more or less, and if God decides to change it, like you say in Paul's case, I want you to do this. Well, we can't get bent out of shape saying, no, I don't want to do that, because then it would be a, a struggle of our, our wills where we wouldn't be, you know, completely trusting or, or surrendering to God. And so tying this back into uh, my, my dream or calling of being a father is, you know, what exactly does that look like, you know, kind of in my heart in, in regards to finances? And so I, I'm sure a, a number of you know that, um, you know, marriages today are ending in, at a 50% divorce rate. That's kind of just the, the national statistic for Christians versus non-Christians. And that, you know, I think is just very hard. Um, it, it just breaks God's heart. And, you know, out, out of those divorces, there's a significant number that have to do with finances in regards to money. So being that, okay, I want to be a dad and have a family, well, what can I do if, if that's the, you know, condition of just average people? Well, it's like I'm going to do whatever I can and, and pray that the Lord will teach me and, you know, I'll be able to, you know, gather information of like, well, what can I do to, you know, running a budget? Or, you know, how much should I be saving or developing those skills so that, you know, whenever I would get married and run into an issue more or less, because I think, you know, Paul and Karen, you can relate, you do run into arguments. Um, <laughs> never. <laughs> I'm sure Paul and Karen have at least had one argument regarding money. <laughs> but <laughs> just one. <laughs> But but just be able to be prepared to the best I can um, for that day when it, when it occurs. Um, not saying that you know it's a it's you're never going to have any problems whatsoever. But you know when you do prepare for a marathon or a race, you want to do your due diligence in you know preparing that to your, to the best that you can. Um, but I, I know that you know kind of being a, a parent in the way I've observed, you could say young couples and, and my parents and other. You know, friends is raising children, you know, isn't an easy task either. And, you know, I kind of see a, a role of a father, you know, there's multiple aspects that, you know, kind of go into that. And I think one of them is, you know, he, he's called to be a, a spiritual leader in the household that, you know, I think as men, we are called to have a very close relationship with Jesus that one would be able to spur on our children to know Jesus better, but also even to be able to spur on, you know, our wives or spouses in that regard. I mean, we need to have that passion, you know, inside us to be able to, to have that leadership there. And then kind of another aspect is, you know, you need to have, there's, I could say, an, an emotional side to, you know, being a father. That I'd say that that is how you relate on a relationship basis where you're getting to know someone, you're playing with your children, you're spending time with them. You know, it's very relational. Just like God, you know, wants to have, you know, how are we doing today? Um, you know, that kind of relationship. He's very personal in that regard. Um, but there's also a, I'd say, a physical aspect of being a father and, and being a provider is, you know, we're, we're called to provide, you could say, I would say a, a stable household. Um, that there's, there's something of an essence of having a home there, you know, that a husband and wife can, you know, both come together in, in that. And there, there's been numerous studies done that, you know, children who grow up in a home that's stable, um, that I would say is like in a physical place for like 10 to 15 years, usually do better than, you know, one, like a, a child who is moving from place to place like every year. 
And so, you know, seeing that, you know, out there, it's like, well, what can I do from a financial sense to, to be able to say, okay, look for a house that I could possibly stay at or an apartment, you know, for a, a longer time period. Um, but kind of getting back to if God calls me to say, hey, you need to go to move to this place, you know, I have to be able to, to willing to be able to do that because, you know, he is the, the one who, you know, calls, you know, I'd say definitely all the shots. And so a couple of verses that stuck out to me is, is one from First Timothy 5.8. It says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, or especially for his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And, and to me, that, that, that does, yeah, Clint says it's very strong. And I, I think in, in, in all essence, you know, going back to, you know, what I earlier said about the two points is we're supposed to live our lives that give glory to God in all areas of our life. And I think Paul, when he wrote this, was kind of hitting on something saying, you know, if you're not able to provide for your own household or your own kids or your own family, how are you any different than, you know, how are you giving glory to God than an unbeliever would? So he, he wants to try to, you know, kind of hit that, you know, home more or less. And kind of a, a second one was the Second uh, Thessalonians three ten, and this one my my parents like to tell I think my twin sister Sarah and I a lot um, when we, we didn't want to do chores, but it says if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. <laughs> I, I'm sure many of you have probably heard that as well, but you know Paul Paul in that you know context was talking about laziness. And he was kind of saying, okay, guys, you, you need to be able to work to, you know, sustain things. There's things God calls you to do for the kingdom that, you know, require work. I mean, there, there's not a whole lot of easy tasks out there. Otherwise, everyone would be doing them. Uh, but, you know, basically, you know, I view parenting, as I mentioned earlier, isn't an easy task. There, there's days you're dead tired, worn out, and yet, you know, God wants you to be able to, you know, spend time with your, your children and to invest into them. And it's only by his grace that you're able to, I think, get the energy to, you know, keep sustaining that. And so I was going to kind of hit on some uh, stories or examples that I have, you know, kind of from my, my own life to see if I could, maybe you guys would have, you know, some that would, you know, be similar to that. And so one of them was back in high school where I was a, a junior in the summertime kind of going into my senior year. And uh, basically each, um, I think it was for a number of summers, our family had been kind of making an, an effort to go up to the Boundary Waters for like three or four days to just have like a, a, a good family time. And normally we have a conversion van so we can load all our stuff up in there and then, you know, drive up north. Well, just so happened about two, three weeks before we were going to go, the, the van's radiator went out on it. And so it's like, oh, no. And then I think my, on my dad's car, which was like a little two-door, his, his clutch went out on it. And then the car that Sarah and I were, were sharing and driving around, I think there's something wrong with it. I can't remember. But I do remember my dad telling me that, you know, Dave, never in my life have like all three of my cars broken down within a month of each other. And so it's like there, there's something God was kind of like perking up in my, my ears at the time when I looked back saying, okay, there's something significant about that. And so my, my parents were, you know, praying and say, okay, God, what do we do? Do we look at buying a car, you know, borrowing a car or, you know, trying to, to figure out, you know, what to do to, to be able to 
take all our camping stuff to go up north. And so they're, they're praying one morning. This is like three days before we're going to leave. And uh, my, my mom, you know, thought of, got an idea of, of calling one of her friends Marie uh, because she just bought a new car and, you know, had this um, older Jeep Cherokee, you know, that she just had for, for use. And uh, Marie kind of has a real heart towards single mothers. And so um, my mom knew that she was trying to kind of give that car away um, to, to someone who, who might be in need for it. So she's like, well, it could be there. Maybe not. We'll, we'll, we'll call her. So my mom, you know, called Marie and she goes, oh, sure. Come on over. Yeah, you can use it over the weekend. It'd be great. And so basically they went over there and Marie kind of uh, pulled them aside and she, she went, hey, you know, um, the Lord told me that I'm supposed to give this Jeep to Dave. It doesn't make any sense to me, but that's what God told me to do. And my mom and dad are like, wow. Ne- never would have thought, like, hey, we're going to borrow this for the weekend to, oh, here's a new car for Dave. And, and so Marie kind of went on to explain that, you know, a couple months prior, God told her to do that. And she's like, well, Dave doesn't need a car. He, he has a car right now and he's doing perfectly fine. Just like, I wasn't an obvious candidate saying, oh, he, he's in need of a car. And so she tried to, to give the car to other, I think, single moms, but they just kind of fell through. And about, um, about, about a week, uh, prior to this, um, her giving the, the car to my mom and dad, uh, she prayed, alright God, you know, this seems to not be working. If you want me to give this car to Dave, have my mom call me, cause she never calls to ask for anything. And, uh, so, must have been a, a handful of days later that my mom called to ask to use the car. And so it's like, oh, okay, made it blatantly obvious that, you know, it was God kinda behind it. And so my, my mom and dad, you know, ended up explaining this whole thing to me. It's like my jaw just dropped open. Like, really? God wants to give me a car? And, you know, I was like, I, I, I mean, I was very excited, you know, accepting that, you know, gift from her and from God. And, you know, through that, I, I got to tell the story to a number of my classmates in, in my high school year that I was like, this is what God did for me. And so it, to the point where even one guy asked is like, well, do you think God could give me a car? You know, one person asked, now he, he was an unbeliever. I said, you know, he, he probably could, but the question is like, well, why would he more or less? Um, because he probably wouldn't be for, you know, glorifying God to be for own selfish purposes. But, you know, kind of taking that story, I can see how, wow, you know, God used someone and you could see how it was glorifying him and who he is because he, he, you know, everything under the sun is his, you know, nothing is too, hard or difficult for him. And so, you know, kind of looking at it from Marie's perspective is, you know, what would it be like for us, you know, to be able to partake in giving of things and partnering with God to be able to see him use that, you know, to glorify, whether it's like giving to some missions organization, giving cars away, but it's out of the abundance that God, you know, has given that to us. You know, to be able to, you know, just glorify Him. And so it's like, you know, wouldn't it be amazing someday where I could just write a check and say, all right, you know, pay for $10,000 something to a ministry that might need it. Where, you know, I don't think that's too small for God to be able to do that. And I know we've, we've kind of hit, you know, before, I think a couple months ago, we talked about, you know, Mike Bickle and, you know, extravagant giving, where I believe that God wants to be able to, you know, just funnel money through each and every one of us 
that you know as stewards that you know we don't own you know everything here that that we are just a steward of God to be able to just freely give to where God you know kind of moves or, or leads us and so kind of a, another thing that you could say I haven't personally had experience in, but you know, look look forward to, into the the future more or less. Is you know, thinking about marriage and children, you know, that are long, you know, kind of a a calling and heart of a father that I have, and so I, I wanted to kind of touch on you could say the, the importance of health insurance. I know this is probably one of the most unspiritual topics, but. I think it, it, it's greatly important if we're going to be stewards with his money that he's given us. And so my, my twin sister and I, we were born six weeks early. So we were, we were preemie babies. And, you know, we had a, a few complications that go with, you know, children who are, are born early. Um, but we ended up having to stay in the hospital for, I think, an extra week or two, which is, you know, probably not too uncommon. And I asked my mom and dad, well, how much was the bill, you know, if you guys didn't have health insurance at the time? And I think in, in today's money, it would have come out to be about $120,000, which is, is probably more than like a college education in the span of a two-week time. And so, you know, looking at that, it's, it's, my, my jaw just drops and saying, you know, there, there is an importance. If you're looking at having a family, um, you can get health insurance for considerably less than $120,000 for, you know, two years. And... Or we're saying two weeks, not two years. But um, another thing, I think I I was talking to um, Gabe Anderson, Paul, and Karen Sunday to because they just had a, a baby girl and another one's on the way, and just asked them like, well, how much is a rough you know cost for if you had a baby that you didn't have any complications, the birth went perfectly fine, how much would it cost? I think it was about he said about eight thousand um, dollars that you'd have to pay, which you know I think you know. It's, probably pretty reasonable that but you know how often does something go absolutely as planned i think it, the, the the chance is pretty slim um but if you have to go to hospital to have a c-section or something done you're looking at a minimum of 20 to twenty-five thousand dollars. um that is something that's you know you could be in and out in a day and it'll just be that cost and so there's a variety of health insurance plans out there so when you're looking for that in the future plan for that so, so that you aren't spending, you know, twenty thousand dollars more than than you absolutely need to, um, more more or less. And so, what was that, Paul? Yeah, yeah they're, they're making a, a mention that it's good to get insurance before you're. Uh, pregnant, um, because how, how they price your plan is they go you, your current state of your physical health. And so th- they see it's like you're, prior to your pregnant, you're, you're cheaper than if you are, more or less, because the impending costs that are coming in the future. So, and you know, I kind of wanted to, to touch on some, I guess along the lines of practical steps towards, uh, I would say saving and, you know, what I would view as, you know, they don't kind of alleviate the stress of that you're going to go through life completely like, you know, remove it. Uh, but I think in terms of a financial area, they kind of, I'd say, lessen the blow or emergencies more or less. And and so some of you people may have heard of a, 
a, a guy named Dave Rams- Ramsey. He's got a he's got a great first name, just like me. Um, but you know, some of the, the simple steps he says are, you know, do your best to save a thousand dollars, which I, I'm sure most of us can can do, um, you know, in a three to six months time if if we put our mind to it. But kind of what what that is for is if your car breaks down or you have some kind of emergency. You know, you, you need, you have emergency and medical thing, you, you kind of pull from that fund. Where it's like, you don't have to go into a panic mode if your tire blows and you're just like, well, where am I going to get $200? That's kind of what, what that is, is more or less for. And so if you pull out of it, you just kind of add to it, you know, over time. And so it, it's kind of just like a, a way to alleviate stress that you might come through in, in your life. But, you know, if God specifically tells you that, hey, you need to take this money and give it somewhere else, you know, go ahead and do that because he told you to do that. I'm not telling you that, you know, this is the way to do it. It's just an idea that, hey, it makes sense in my mind. You guys can try it if if you want to. Um, and then kind of the, the second step, you know, after you kind of save up $1,000 is looking at, you know, paying off your, your debts that you have. And so... You know, there, there's nothing wrong with kind of having, you know, a, a, a college debt. I mean, you got an education. It was a lot of hard work. And then, you know, what can you do to make practical steps towards, you know, paying that off? I think a, a typical college loan is, I would say, you know, maybe seven to ten years um, is a typical length. And I would say if you're able to put an extra $100 or $200 a month towards a college loan, I think you'll be able to pay that down in, in a matter of five years. Where if you think of it in a, in a month, you know, how much money you take in in a month, um, maybe an extra hundred or two dollars, you know, isn't so much of a far stretch, but you need to look at, you know, specifically, you know, a, a budget to try to do that. But it is something that's, it's a long haul. It's not, it's not something that you pay off in three weeks. It's something that does take time. Um, but, but I did want to, to touch on, you know, kind of credit card debt, um, how many of you guys know what the, the average interest rate on a credit card is? What was that? 20%? 17, 15, 20%? 8%? You got a special card there. <laughs> but uh, what is the going interest rate for a CD that you can get for saving? What? Yeah. So it, that's at one percent, maybe one and a quarter percent is the going rate. Um, and, and so a CD certificate of deposit. It, it's basically if you put in, let's say you had a hundred thousand dollars, you give it to a bank for a CD at a one percent rate. In a, in a whole year, if you keep it in there, they would give you a thousand dollars in return. So you get a hundred thousand and or hundred and one thousand dollars back at the end of the year. It's kind of, I'd say, the most safest investment savings, um, more or less. But 20 years ago, a savings like a CD rate was at 15%. You know, they fluctuate up and down depending on what's going on. Um, but you can look at economics or learn about that in a, a different class. <laughs> but, you know, looking at a, a CD rate at 1% versus a credit card um, rate at 15 12 you know, 20%, you know, there's a, there's a huge difference in that where you're actually paying someone else money, 
um, at a, a rate that's ten times what you know you would get you know in return. And so my suggestion would be it's like you know avoid a, a credit card debt if at all possible because you're you end up giving quite a bit mo- more money to a bank. Um, because a bank will get a lot more money out of a credit card than they would out of a, a CD, more or less, because you're giving it to them. And so then, kind of a, after you start reducing your debt down, um, more or less, uh, uh, another thing is try to get about six months of of your income saved, more or less. So at, at you know that takes years to try to slowly add to that number. And you know, kind of what what that is for is. You know, the, the way I see it is if you were to get unemployed and you'd have maybe six to nine months of, of, of cash available to cover your expenses of food, your house, and things like that, you know, do you think you could possibly find another job in that amount of time? Yeah, hopefully. But let's say if you only had a month versus savings, you know, I, I would think, at least for me, I would be going through a lot more stress. It's like, oh, I got to find a job in one month versus something to six to nine months. And so, you know, kind of, you know, tying this back into, you know, a, a heart that I have, you know, being a father is like, I want to try to create a stable household for my children. And so if I get unemployed and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're having to move to a different place because I got to find a job right now. Is, could that be considered a, a wise decision if it could have been possibly avoidable by, you know, saving up, you know, some money that would allow me to try to search for a job for six to nine months? And so these are just kind of some ideas that you can, you know, think through your head, you know, see what might be applicable to you. Um, but, you know, first and foremost, if God tells you to give all your money like he did to the rich young ruler, sell everything and follow me, I think, you know, we have to honestly say, you know, hey, you know, I, I have to be able to do that because, you know, what I have here, you know, isn't mine. But, you know, kind of on the flip side is we're supposed to be wise with what, you know, God has, has given us. You ready, Steph? So Steph was going to kind of come up and share some things. Yeah, I'm just, I'm basically just closing this up because I know as all of this is being shared... Like some of you may be just feeling this like weight coming down like, oh my goodness, this is a lot and it is heavy. And it's, and I mean, just as fasting, um, like talking about prayer and, and discipline, it, it can be heavy and it, and it isn't always fun. Fasting isn't always fun. Saving money isn't always fun. I mean, it's, it, it can be more fun, um, to, to do something that you want and that control thing going on. But I just, I just want to encourage those of you, like there, there were two things as, um, I was praying this week, like that I felt like the Lord was really putting on my heart in regards, um, to this message. And one of it, or one of the things that I I do believe that there's anointing for is to just break some of that shame that some of you may have in regards to the area of finances. Um, some of you may feel like, uh oh, you know, I, I'm hearing what Dave's saying and I've already blown it. Like I I don't have a savings account. I, you know, barely tithe, if tithe, you know, and, and so I just I really feel like there's a grace here, just as there's a grace for fasting, just as there is a grace for reading the word, there's a grace for sowing into the kingdom in regards to your finances. Um and then I feel like some of you may feel like I'm desperate. 
Well, guess what? Like God loves desperate people because they're hungry and they're expecting miracles. And, um, one of the, the things in the word, um, the stories that I really appreciate is about the widow's oil and it's in second Kings. And it talks about this woman whose husband has just died and, and he was a godly man, but he owed money. And in that time, um, the, the rulers could, could take children to work as slaves to pay off the debt. And so this woman, this widow, she's desperate. She goes to the prophet Elisha and says, they're going to come and take my, my kids. And I mean, if you think of that in a really practical, real life way, that's horrible. (laughs) You know, that's desperate. And so she goes to this man of God and says, what should I do? And what I love is he says, what do you have? Tell me what's in your house, like right now. And she says, all I have is this little jar of oil. What's that going to do? And that's where the miracle happens. She gives what she has, however little and insignificant it may seem, and offers it to the Lord. And and he pours in, and he provides, and he does a miracle. And that oil is just multiplied. He tells her to go to the neighbors and um, get empty jars in expectancy for what God is going to do. I mean, that's like saying, go to your neighbors and ask for their empty wallets. You know, I mean, just because of what God is going to do. And so I just, in saying that, I want to encourage you guys that there is hope. Um, the second thing, so one thing is, I just feel there's an anointing and a grace to break shame. And another thing is fear. Um, some of you may feel fearful as what um, you're reading in the newspapers and all this stuff about the deficit and raising the ceiling and, you know, the United States of America defaulting. And it just, there's an undercurrent of fear right now in our country regarding um, the economic situation, but God is bigger. He's so much bigger. And so I feel like there's just a grace and anointing to just break off that fear. And some of you may be like, I'm so excited. Like I want to give, I heard that story of the Jeep and I want to be in that place. Well, praise the Lord. Like he can put you there. (laughs) And so, I mean, as we're going to split up just into groups of two or three, um, and you don't have to share everything. You don't have to be like, this is exactly where I'm at. This is my debt. This is this, this is that. But just know that, that God's presence is here to, um, to provide and to break off things. And so just share what you feel comfortable sharing with one another, but, but definitely pray if, if it's asking the Lord, you know, Give me greater provision so that I may provide for others or help me to tithe, <laughs> you know, whatever it may be. Like God, God, the Holy Spirit is here to provide. So I'm just going to close this up in a quick prayer. And then um, we're going to have people up front to come and pray for you. Yep. And Clint um, is, is going to share one more thing and then we'll close in prayer. Even as they talked about that, that's really good. Jesus talks a lot about money. He talks a lot about money. You just can't avoid it if you read the Gospels. But I feel like the Lord is saying this. We've bought in as a generation into this credit card mentality that says, I'll buy now and I'll pay later. And the, the kingdom of heaven is exactly the opposite. Jesus paid for it first and he's going to receive it later. And what happens is when we enter into that, there's, there's a release of the peace of God when we begin to align our life with him. And the Lord's challenging me in this area of my life. And I want to tell you, if you have debt, the Lord worked a miracle in my life. Before I came to Jesus, I was into gambling. And I had debt to people I didn't want to owe money to, to be honest. like It was life-threatening at times. And I remember when I came to Jesus, I, lay, I wrote out all the debt I was in. And I said, Jesus, we're going for this thing. 
I'll work three jobs. And I just, one by one, I just started paying them off by the grace of God. And I remember there was times where I would come to people that I owed money to, and I'd share the gospel with them. And I remember going this one time to the casino, actually, to share, to pay this guy back money I owed him. And he actually, he heard the story. He wasn't a Christian. He said, are you still radical for Jesus? I go, bro, it's the only way, man. He goes, I want to know about this karma. I said, it's, it's, it's not even that. It's grace. And I explained it to him. By the end of me sharing this testimony with him, this guy was making $100,000 a year playing poker professionally. I know a lot of professional poker players. And this guy's like, I just won a, I, I won a, a tournament a couple weeks ago, and I made $50,000. He said, I've never been more miserable. <laughs> and he goes, not, not, not only like do I want what you have, but that debt you owed me, forget about it. He just wrote it off. And it's so like, I just want to tell you as a down payment, if you'll say yes to God in going after that, he'll, he'll get you out of it. Because when you come to him and you come into covenant, everything that's his becomes yours. And everything that's yours becomes his. That includes your debt. But you got to put it on the altar and you got to say, Lord, this is, a, this is a huge deal to him. He actually says in Luke 16, if we can't be faithful with unrighteous mammon, Who's going to entrust you the true riches? In other words, the way we steward our money is a test of whether God can actually entrust us more authority. Paul says the same thing. He goes, guys, you guys are having all these issues about nothing. You're going to judge angels. So he's always calling us higher. He's saying your identity is greater. So we don't, we don't buy into the love of money. We don't buy into the deceitfulness of riches. And the way we do that is we steward it as worship to God. And so this is an important message. You might be going like, uh, like, Jesus is really, really into us loving him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. That includes our resources. That includes our energy. It includes our time. Your time is life. And every time you give money, it's not that money... Money is valuable. The reason money is valuable is it represents labor and effort to receive that good or service that you're buying. Does that make sense? When, someone give, when I give you my money, I'm giving you value. And so we, we, money's not evil and it's not God. <laughs> you know, those are the two ditches we fall into. We don't worship it. We don't need to be afraid of it. We need to submit it and surrender it to him. So, good message. You can pray. Father God, we come before you and we thank you that you care about every aspect of our life. But Father God, we don't want our eyes to be on the peripheral. We want our eyes to be on you. And so I just thank you, Lord Jesus, that, that, yeah, that you're drawing us closer, even in the area of finances. And God, we just pray for your grace, your spirit, and just your, your anointing to be in this place. And Father God, give us the strength, um, to be able to press delete, start over, look at every new day as a new day to make this commitment to you. And we just pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you guys want to, yeah, if you guys want to split up. Let's keep, actually, I want to pray for one more thing. I want to pray for anybody who's maybe discouraged in this area. Maybe you have a lot of debt. Maybe, I mean, you, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you want to raise your hand, I'd encourage you to. We want to offer that to the Lord. Let's put that thing on the altar. Let's say, this thing doesn't own me. I'm, I'm a slave of righteousness. I've been bought with a price, the high price of the blood, <laughs> the blood of the lamb. And so he wants to help us. He wants to encourage us. He wants to strengthen us. Father, I just lift up everyone right now in this room that does have debt. God, I ask that you would release strategy from heaven. I ask that you would give them grace to be disciplined. God, we are disciples. That includes being disciplined. God, help us not to...
to give way to the compulsions of the flesh. God, we, we want to break agreement with addictions that cause us to spend our money in ungodly ways. God, we want to, we want to use that money to glorify you, to advance the gospel. I just pray right now for hearts that are under shame and condemnation. Command that to go. Fear, go. God is your provider. Jehovah Jireh is your provider. Don't worry about tomorrow, not because tomorrow is not important, but because your heavenly father knows what you need before you ask. You're in covenant with the creator of the world. Every, every, everything in this entire planet is under his sovereign lordship, and he will help you if you'll ask for grace. I just wanted to share one quick thing about this with when it comes to debt. Some of you may be listening to this and thinking, oh, you know, I only have $200 in debt. Don't minimize a small amount of debt because if you minimize $300, you will justify your way to 3000 And I've been there and I've done that. And optimism, like oh, I'll be getting the next job or the next thing's going to happen. Optimism can be sometimes kind of a blessing and a curse. So own, own your debt, get rid of it, attack it, whether it's 200, 2000, 200,000, attack your debt, get rid of it. I'm speaking from this from experience and walking down that road, but I'm just going to say it again. If you minimize 300, you will find your way to justify 3,000, and it will only climb higher than that. So get rid of the small debt. Get, just get rid of it when it's small. Don't let it grow. I mean, we, we can say no to caribou once in a while, can't we? I mean, I love caribou. I know we're getting real. Oh, boy. Here he goes. Oh, that's my sacred cow there. I budget $300 a month for caribou. It's like, let's put, let's not, let's not put things that we don't need on credit, really. I mean, this, I'm convicted right now as I even talk. I mean, I feel like, okay, God, I repent. I repent of not taking this area of my life serious. And I, I want to tell, tell you too, the Lord, man, he worked a miracle last year. He, he paid off a $3,500 medical debt for me, like supernaturally, miraculously. So I, I just want to tell you, man, I'm believing for some like serious breakthrough for some of you guys. Like next week, I'm telling like, oh, come on, Jesus. But he's waiting. He really wants your heart. And I want to tell you, the last thing that's converted for most Christians is their pocketbook. <laughs> let's, let's surrender that area of our lives. So let's break up into groups. If you want to grab a person next to you, there's going to be ministers at the front. There's food at the back. There's bathrooms down here. Thank you for coming. And uh, let's just bring this to the Lord and ask him for grace and wisdom. Thank you. Great word. For, let's give the finance team a hand for serving us in this area. Amen, amen. Eric, you play some. Thanks, man. If you need prayer for healing, get baptized in the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Spirit helps in debt. I want to tell you, it helps you make decisions with money. <laughs>